Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Red Circle. Also, the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like, subscribe, and turn the notifications on. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes the sponsor of this episode, Prize Picks. Use the code 5FIVE. Get that initial deposit matched up to $100. Of course, you can play the NBA when it starts, but right now it's NFL. It's MLB still going on. NHL is starting soon. You can play all of it. You can mix the sports. This is the official fantasy sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and it is legal in the state of Florida. That's right. It is legal in the state of Florida. Use the code 5, F-I-B-E. Get that initial deposit matched up to $100, prizepigs.com. And now, today's episode. Down to this game. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I got Alex Toledo following the Tropical Blanket. We got Greg Sylvander. You can follow him at Greg Sylvander. Make sure you check out all of the other episodes that are up. We've posted interviews with everybody. Uh, Most recently, Kevin Love and Drew Peterson. I had about 15 minutes with Kevin Love today. I actually, that's my favorite interview we've posted so far. I thought Kevin was really uh, introspective about his career going all the way back to the Minnesota days, but also particularly the Cleveland days, what he's trying to accomplish now. And, uh, you know, just a lot of respect for uh, kind of where his perspective is right now and, and what he wants to add to this Heat team. So check that out. Also other episodes, Caleb Martin and Haywood Highsmith on one episode. Uh, we did an episode, of course, with Josh Richardson uh, and, and pretty much every hopeful uh, has been on there. And today, obviously, uh, we're going to get into, well, we'll talk about it in a second, but one of the possible point guard prospects on this team. Uh, but what we're going to comment on RJ Hampton, but what we're going to get into here is Eris Bolscher made kind of a throwaway comment today, but it's a topic we've touched on at times, which is he flat out said, you know, we think we're deeper than we were last year. And that then got aggregated. And it was interesting to see the replies because it does seem that a lot of Heat fans have come around to that while the rest of the nation is laughing about it. And actually, that's kind of a comfortable place to be for Heat fans because typically the Heat's players are better than the rest of the world gives them credit for until, of course, they leave the Heat and then they become better at that point. So if that's where we're at, uh, it's not too bad. But anyway, um, we have discussed this before, and I agree with Spolstrom. Okay. It does not mean that I think they're championship contenders as princely constituted, particularly with the improvements that teams like Phoenix and Milwaukee in particular have made. But I think the roster is better, guys. Like, I think there's one spot on the roster that is a problem, but I think the other four positions are upgraded. Uh, actually, if you want to, if you don't want to do the positionless thing, and they're certainly better in the front court. And I just want to, I'm going to set the stage here by just reminding people. Who is in camp last year and who's in camp now? Okay. So the two primary players who were in camp last year that are not there now are Max Struess and Gabe Vincent. Remember, they did not break camp as starters. Okay. So I'm just trying to bring everybody back to that because the national dialogue is 
the Heat lost two starters. Yes, they lost two players who started a lot of games in the playoffs, but they did not necessarily lose two guys who were penciled in as starters. In fact, one of their starters, Tyler Hero, who was in camp last year, so I'm not going to count him as an addition, but he is an addition from the playoffs. Okay, He would have been the starting two guard in the playoffs. He started the playoffs as the starting two guard. Okay, but let's just say Struis Vincent gone, Oladipo gone, who was more promise than reality. Obviously, everybody feels bad for what happened to Vic. But there were only short stretches that he really provided significant contributions for the Heat during his, you know, two-plus seasons, right? Okay. Omer Yurtsevin made no contribution. There were hopes for him going into last uh, training camp. He had high hopes for himself, kind of talked a little bit too much for their taste, didn't play enough defense. Then he got hurt and was never really a factor again. Dwayne Dedman was cooked, Okay. First three months of the season, if you had just simply took him out of the rotations, they'd probably win five or six additional games, right? I'm not going to count Cody Zeller because he wasn't there at the beginning of last year, but obviously that was an uneven thing. Now, who's in? Kevin Love was not there camp last year. He's now in what he told me, sort of the leanest shape of his life. He's gotten in heat shape. You've added back Josh Richardson. You've added Jaime Hawkins. You've added Thomas Bryant. You have Nikola Jovic, who's a totally different person, not just physically, where he's added 20 pounds, but as Jimmy said, he's acting, he's got his chest puffed out. He's joking around with us and cursing. He was a timid little kid a year ago. Now he's at least finished high school, as Kevin Love made the point. If you listen to the podcast, he was he was uh, giving him a hard time about that. He says, I'm not going to listen to somebody who just graduated high school because he's kind of mentoring Jovic. So again, you've added a potentially productive Jovic, a rookie in Hawkes who looks like he could be plug and play. We'll see. Heroes back, but again, I'm not going to count that one. Richardson, Thomas Bryant. You've lost Gabe and Max and Denman and Yurtsevin and Oladipo. I think the roster is better a- a- in terms of depth. Am-, am I wrong, Greg? No, not at all. I think they're definitely deeper. I think where fans are are hung up is that they're not deeper if you're just counting superstars. That's the issue here, as everyone wanted to be one deeper as it relates to stars with Jimmy Bam and one more, right? So I guess for me, though, even though the team is deeper, the front court is unquestionably deeper. They definitely have more interchangeable pieces throughout the roster. The more you look at like Hawkes, Jovic, Highsmith, like I could see all those guys being interchangeable in different ways. Obviously, they all play completely differently, but it's just about having guys with similar size, similar length that you can kind of plug in and do different things with. So that is a thing that was not as fluid on the roster. I feel like guys fit in boxes last year, whereas now you have a little bit more of like the utility knife players. The The other part about this year is that I think clearly defined roles are going to help. Um, obviously the point guard role were, let's just, put that aside because maybe they're going to just do that by committee who needs a point guard maybe that's greg's old way of thinking i still think it's yet to be determined are they deeper with people who can guard at the point of attack are they deeper with enough shooters that are going to be on people's scouting reports for anyone to give a shit are they deeper in getting into the paint finishing and basically putting enough pressure on the rim to make all this work are they deeper in all those ways? They may be because Gabe Vincent and Max Strews were not guys that they were counting on to do certain things that they ended up doing in the playoffs. Gabe becoming a pull-up artist 
Max having, you know, huge three-point games here and there, timely shots. Like, so who knows who pops, right? But I just think we're still at a spot, even with a deeper team, where they got to shoot well and they got to have some things break their way. And I just think Heat fans wanted maybe a little less margin for error. Uh, But all of this, again, remains to be seen. You get one guy that pops or plays above expectations, and it completely changes the calculus on all of it. Yeah, I mean, Alex, as we talked about it, I mean, the, the, the game thing, I think, is what's jumping out to people because that's the position of concern. You know, we heard that in the in the not scrimmage work, but sort of the, you know, the interest squad work that they did today, that Lowry was the only guy who looked like a point guard, which I guess if you're, you know, a potential Hall of Famer at the position, that's going to be the case. But the, the, the point is, there's really nobody else who would, right? <laughs> like. And not at this stage. The young guys are too young, and, and again, we're gonna we're gonna have the R.J. Hampton interview here, uh, and maybe he's a guy who pops. But you know, Drew Smith, R.J. Hampton, you know, and then again, you got then you got guys who are not really point guards like Josh and and uh, and Tyler, and then Jimmy having the handle and Bam having the handle. But Gabe was not a true point guard either. I just feel like it would it would make the Heat fan feel more comfortable if he was still here, because we wouldn't be having the conversation really about whether Kyle was starting because. You know, I don't know that Kyle would necessarily be on board with it, but he'd be more on board with it, I would think, if it was a guy like Gabe who had actually been starting in the finals, right? Like, it would just be an extension of last season. And so then it comes back to that decision that, you know, again, you thought you might have a chance at Dame or somebody else, and so you didn't end up giving, you know, Gabe maybe the extra couple of million dollars per year, at least making the initial offer that would have satisfied him and not, you know, turned him to Los Angeles, where, again, the Heat say they offered more over the length of the deal, but it was over an extra season. Is that just what we're talking about here, Alex? Is it just the Gabe thing that has Heat fans saying, no, we're not? Because it can't be Struess, and I love Max, but they weren't going to pay Max, and Duncan can do a lot of the same things as Max, and honestly did them a little bit better in the playoffs than Max did overall. Well, look, it's there's a lot going on here. They're deep. 100%. They're deeper than last season, 100%, which is funny because they let two starters walk, which is a semantic thing, right? Because we all know that those guys weren't full-time starters 100% of the way, but they were starters for both playoff runs. Got to give them that. You guys know I, I was left just with a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth with the way it was handled. And we kind of went back and forth about it on playback a little bit. And so, no, I don't think, like, you know, Gabe and or Max not being on the team keeps them from being deep. They're They're definitely deep. Um, I just think the situation they have right now isn't necessarily ideal, right? Like, I think, like Leif said, he hit on it when he said, um, you want less of a margin for error. So it's like, yeah, you have all these playable bodies, which is great, but you have to figure out a rotation with that. And, you know, you can kind of play around, play around it a little bit with some of these guys. Like, you know, you mentioned plenty, Ethan, just the idea of having Jovic play loves minutes throughout the season just to have, you know, kind of love ready for the playoffs because you don't want to overdo it with him. I'm just, you know, things with that kind of, um, you know, concept and logic. I I think that's something that they can, you know, it's a workaround, but it's a lot of bodies. It it may be, you can make a case that it's too many because guys are going to be left feeling like, Hey, I, I should maybe be playing. And it's, I, I, I honestly, I think Leif put it, just really well when he was going into the death stuff there because now you have guys who are in roles and i think like you look at even the hopefuls right they got like drew peterson and cole swider they're kind of slotted into roles but even them like they're different types of players they're different types of weapons um and that's not even guys who are putting anywhere near 
their rotation, right? When you look at the guys who might actually play, they easily have 12 guys. And that's, like I said, before you get into Hampton, Swider, um, Peterson, or Jamal Kane, any of those types of, you know, young guys who, who you would like to see play. Um, it, they have a lot of options. It's just, what do you do with it? And I feel like we had this conversation, um, I, I want to say the first season of Jimmy, but they just said they need, they need to consolidate. I think that was the, I think it was that first season. This, that might be the move for them, you know, at some point before the trade deadline, just to figure out who works, who doesn't, and what's a luxury, what isn't, and, and, and try to consolidate some of this. But I just, the, the game thing definitely lo- does look worse now. I think it's not, you know, a world changer, but just the fact that he went to the Lakers for that little money um, it isn't a great look after what happened with Dame and all that and, and Kyle aging and them wanting to move on from him. I, I don't think Kyle would have had a problem with Gabe continuing to start. Um, you know, they'll be okay. They'll be fine. Um, but, yeah, it, w- it would have been nice to have Gabe back. Yeah, and, and I think, like we said, I think he would have probably come back if the initial offer had been better. But we can argue about why they're holding back resources there. You know, it's – and it's not that Greg is just, you know, in this – day and age they have a value to a player and they're only going to move a little bit on that value to a player um but i also do understand the philosophy to a certain degree and we've talked about it that and i can't really have it both ways here which is that they overpaid for replaceable players you know for a long period of time 16 17 alex is, is rolling his eyes here let's, we just had this, this conversation on playback yeah, but, but i killed him for 16 and 17 for paying tyler johnson paying Dion waiters paying james johnson after you had all of them on good contracts before the sun white side i'd kill him for that because i actually liked that decision that was a major mistake on my part but you know you look at those four players in particular and then duncan was kind of an extension of that and then it seems like it stopped. Now, Max, I don't think that they would have paid under any circumstances that amount of money. And, and Max look, got a great uh, situation for him in Cleveland. I was talking to Kevin Love about that today. He actually recommended the Cavs to him. So that's that ended up working out, uh, you know, t- to a certain degree uh, for everybody. You know, you, you wish Max well. And what I was saying, too, is that when we were talking to some of these guys on media day, the Haywood Highsmiths, right? So he says, you know, I said, where will you be in a year? He says, hopefully I'll have a three-year contract. Hopefully it'll be here. <laughs> but now they kind of know that if they're next, whether it's Haywood Highsmith or Orlando Robinson, or maybe it's Jamal Kane, or maybe it's RJ Hampton or whatever, who was hanging out down in Miami and only wanted to join the Heat, right? Like from August on, a former first-round pick, that if they don't get their money from Miami, Miami will develop them that maybe they'll get it elsewhere. And it was kind of, we kind of thought it was the opposite for a while that, you know, other teams wouldn't want Miami's players because they were not as good when they left Miami and, you know, these developmental types. And maybe that continues to prove true. But for right now, two of them just got paid. One of them by the Lakers, one by Cleveland, two contender type teams. They got decent money from both of them. And so that's another incentive to bring guys to Miami. Now, you don't necessarily have to be the team to pay them, but you can get the paid. And they so, know that if you play a role and, 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 and thrive in that role, that's the thing. They, they know that? you, can, you can thrive in that role and get paid. I, yeah. I think that's right. what it comes down to. And so here's the crazy thing, right? Because everyone got mad at them retaining their own players. And then they have kind of gone in the other direction with Max and Gabe. And truthfully, exactly we're, we're talking about on playback. If we're really gonna tout the developmental system and the culture, and everyone's gonna just shudder when I say the word heat culture, but if we're really going to tout that, because it inevitably like it, you can't deny that 
there's something there, right? Then it doesn't make sense for them to continue to invest in guys when they can maybe, I'm going to use this word, even though I hate using it for human beings, like manufacture the same player and the same role that can have the same impact. The next step to this for the Heat is going to be trying to figure out and have the discernment of which guys to let walk That's and which thing. guys to keep. That- and when you have a value in the marketplace where it makes sense to maybe push a little extra to keep a guy like Gabe. Cause in hindsight, he's not coming off the bench and he probably would rather be starting in Miami for the other contract. I bet you, if you can, I mean, I'm not, can't get in his head, but like, mm-hmm. I just think that that's the discernment that I think it's hard, right? It's going to be hard. You know what? This is where it bothers me. And it's good that, that we disagree on stuff like this. Cause I feel like we all agree with each other, like 97 percent of the time but this is where I, I get frustrated and we like i said we talked about it on playback but i think this you know i i was gonna say it's good for a podcast but we're already doing it right now so basically what i feel like it, it's it's a theme this this overcorrection right ever since you know 16 and 17 and these years that we cite we're like they, they sign these players the problem is i wish it was the other way around and i was saying this on playback like you would you would want them to pay the guys who stepped up for you in your winning windows and you know your big playoff runs and not the guys who were just you know good players for you on on an on a for nine seed you know the, those middling right. transition years like I, I feel like the overcorrection for them and they even made one of those types of signings with Duncan like I, a lot of people throw Duncan into that that kind of category and that was in the Jimmy era so I understand them trying to not repeat mistakes. And I definitely understand it with Max because I think Max got a really big contract. You know, with everything they know about their financials, I think Max was not going to come back. Not to mention Duncan is still there making a lot of money and, and in a almost exact same role. So that's a different story. But the theme of letting guys walk and not just guys, it's guys who really step up for you in playoff runs. That's the part that I don't like because I 100% yeah. they have one of the best development systems. They're going to make something out of relative nothing no shade out of you know to any of the guys you know that are there that we've been talking to it's nothing like that but just like they 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 turn guys into players and that's great but there's to me it's it's not so black and white where it's like you either only develop guys and don't pay anybody or you go the complete other way like to me you know a a caleb who stepped up and played huge for you in the playoffs if he does it again and shows and and you know repeats something like that or something close to that you pay that guy to me gabe um, for the way that he's played in two straight playoffs, you pay that guy considering what he got. I'm not saying you go and give him everything, but 33 mil for Gabe, you retain that guy considering your only other point guard is 37 and you don't want him on the roster anymore. It's like the 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 the, wor- the worst kept secret. And then in the past years, you had PJ Walk, you had Jay Crowder Walk. These guys are not irreplaceable individually. It's just like, you know, I wish they would, you know, some of these guys that, that were better for you, you would have kept as opposed to some of the but guys they, they did Alex, there there were circumstances for some of them, and and you know, I mean, PJ, for instance, like looking back now, there's no way they should have kept them. I mean, there's just no. I mean, I, I, I again, guess with, with the vehicles that they had to use, if the choice was him or Caleb, which I I believe what was it. Was, it? I the, believe it was the the I, elephant I, in the room is that what we're talking about is that they had the spending capacity to keep yes, both of them if we really want I mean. to get down to brass tacks. But are See, but they willing to do that? I, and I is it realistic? True with Gabe, but I would say that's more true with Gabe. But let me, but let me ask you this though, because again, sometimes you just need to say goodbye to a guy. Like, 
I absolutely believe that Haywood Highsmith is going to be more effective for them in the PJ Tucker role this year than PJ Tucker would have been. That's I, fine. That, that's that's how to... I view it at a much lower cost. So I, I, I'm not excusing cheapness. You understand? And even that. I said on playback, like, you, you could look at it I... in a way where you you're replacing. Sorry to interrupt you, Ethan, but I just thought it like you're replacing your in your playoff rotation, Gabe and Max with Josh and mm-hmm. Tyler, and that's. Like, I get there's some backwards kind of logic there because Tyler's been on the roster forever. He's not a new addition. But he wasn't in your playoff rotation, not only last year, but kind of the year before because of the injuries. But aren't stuff. you then making our argument then? I don't, I don't understand. No, that's like, what I'm I, saying. I, I understand some of it, but I just feel like I hate the idea of like, oh, I could just grow another one of these guys on trees who was just like an awesome playoff player. Like, that have, makes me though. nervous, I, it's, and it's, it has a tinge of arrogance to me. I don't like that. It bothers no, me it, no, but it's – Pay your I, guy. I, I don't think – I don't think it's the, the only one, like I say, that that looks shaky in retrospect, and we'll talk about it more if they can't find somebody to get them in offense is Gabe, because it seems to be over a couple million dollars this way or that way, and kind of the way that they approached him initially. But again, he wasn't a natural point guard either, so it's kind of like I I, I think the issue oh, they is don't need any if there of these was guys, a guy, you know, if if if, if there was if there was a guy. On the roster, and maybe it's the guy we're talking to in the second half of this episode, if there was a guy on the roster who exhibited some Gabe-like qualities, then I think that we would feel more comfortable with this, but we don't know that they have that. That's the problem. So I think we're really talking about one position. I don't think there's any question they're deeper over the course of the roster. It's point guard. It's the same thing we've been talking about all this time because like Greg has said, they were not really expecting Kyle Lowry to be here, and I don't think he was expecting to be here. And now it's like, oh shit, he's the only one here. And and then I'm starting you get to think this is a non-factor. Was that the, the, the more I think about it, the more I'm starting to think this whole point guard thing is a non-factor. The only thing that that I'm taking away from this is that they don't. I mean, yes, like all the stuff of if they trade Kyle Lowry away, that's a there's an obvious hole, right? Because he's the, mm-hmm. the literal only point guard they have in the roster. But like you're saying, Ethan, and like we talked about. On other episodes, Gabe was not the lead guard. The lead playmakers right. on this team are Jimmy, Bam, and then Tyler. And so I, I just but feel they like still are. And they if, still they, are. if they For trade me, Kyle, they're the probably going to get a point guard in return. So it's like I, I feel like this whole lead guard thing is nothing. I feel like Josh is not that much worse of a you know dribbler and passer than Gabe. And neither of them were going to be the lead guard anyways. And, and Josh can go and, and pull up too. So, again, I'm not saying Gabe is irreplaceable. I'm not saying – PJ was or J or Jay Crowder was. It just struck me the wrong way when guys who came up huge, because the all three of these guys I'm talking about were absolutely huge for you in these long playoff runs, are the guys who they end up letting walk. It's just this like when you're in that window, you're that close to winning a championship. I feel like those are the guys you pay. And then maybe you try to let some of the others go. I love Duncan, but you know, that's what I'm talking about here. Duncan and Kyle, the guys who haven't worked out, you try to figure out what to do with those mistakes. And then you keep the guys who step up for you. You reward them. I understand all of that. Sorry. But I also I also want to say one thing. I think they should have offered Gabe more money at the beginning. Obviously, if they'd gotten Dame, we would not even be discussing this. And they didn't. But we can decide who we want to blame for that was told again today they weren't going to trade him to us okay it's just that simple and if that was the case i don't know how much blame we can throw on them for that we all agree they should try to at least some degree right because the guy asked out and it is the position that we're talking about so okay 
And you can say, well, they left themselves unprotected at the position. I guess we'll see. But I, I tend to agree with Alex's point that they really haven't relied on a traditional point guard in a long time, actually. I mean, Kyle came in and, again, it's been spotty, but you know, Goran wasn't really a traditional lead guard. Mario Chalmers wasn't a traditional lead guard. Uh, it's not the way that they've, they've typically done things. I think the overall roster is better. I understand Alex's point that when you're in a championship window, you need to pay people in general. Like, that's what I would say. Like, you need to pay people the in general. The ones who step up. But the ones who step up. That's my The ones who step up. But, okay, v Gabe and Max stepped up in the playoffs, but not in a regular season that almost ended before it even got to the playoffs, in part because the two of them were not great. Now, Max saved them against Chicago, with 31, I understand he made some big game. Uh, he had some big game moments, not in the finals, but he had some big game moments. Gabe had some big game moments, not in the finals so much. Okay, after it was a game one, um, but and so I understand that if there's guys who've stepped up in the in in the playoffs tell situations, right? The, the situations that matter, you prioritize those guys, and you're always going to have these young guys at different stages of development. So, like, okay, maybe you know one of their young point guards is two year, a year or two away from being what Gabe became. But again, Gabe was not that when he got here. And the same with the same with Max and the same with Caleb. And I really think where this is headed, which is not where I planned for this episode to go, but I'll let Greg close here. I think where this is headed is a Caleb conversation. Like, I think like that's what we're going to end up having as we go forward. But the reality is he's part of the depth right that. now. But I think that's where we're headed because – then we're going to have this argument, you know, and Alex is going to jump in on this one and he's going to be right, which is if this team does contend in some way this year, I'm pretty angry about some it. Way, <laughs> if this, if this team does contend in some way and Caleb is a key factories or as a starter or a six man, but most likely as a closer. And he's a guy who could have been Eastern conference finals MVP last year. Then yes, I think it's reasonable to say, you need to pay that guy exactly. and keep the window going as long as possible. Oh, no, we I grow them on thin air. I mean, we grow it's, No, but I don't think they're as highfalutin as, as Alex is making them sound, although I do I understand where he's coming from, but I'll I'll just I'll close with this. If Caleb ha if he mirrors last season in terms of even the peaks and valleys where but where it ultimately ended up, playoffs tell moments, right? If he has those again and then you let him just walk out the door, at some point, when we we're gonna have to acknowledge the message that it sends to everyone else who's still around, trying their asses off to, to win a championship. So that's just ultimately then, as we try to put a bow on this. Yeah, you don't want to be the also Patriot. would consider. You got guys in that foxhole with these guys. P whether it's PJ, whether it's Gabe, whether it's Max. These are guys that that they're brothers. It's a brotherhood, and I just think at some point. You, the discernment of who to keep and who not to keep is going to be what makes or breaks the development system because that's how you keep this value thing rolling. And so it'll be interesting to see how it goes. And Caleb's going to have every opportunity this year. So they're going to find out if he really is that guy or if he is a guy. And so now we'll watch and see. Well, he looked like more than just a guy uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And I think he's going to be better this season. So we'll have this argument again. I don't know that we actually argued the topic that we were planning on arguing, but we'll see uh, how people take this. All right, RJ Hampton, he's going to make us all forget, right, about their point guard trouble, right? We're going to come out of this camp and say they first got a round draft first pick. round pick. 
they got a guy. Uh, but I do want to talk about one of our sponsors before we get to that. Our friends over at Rock Esports Center. That's Rock Esports Center. This is a this is an esports center and lounge. We are going to start doing events there. It's a really cool place. Alex and I went down and checked it out. Head over to Miami's first gaming lounge. Again, it's called Rock Esports Center to eat, drink, and play all day. You can host your next birthday party with them. But also, like I said, we're going to do watch parties. We're going to do live pods. All kinds of cool stuff here. They're located at 15305 South Dixie Highway in Palmetto Bay. 5,500 square foot state-of-the-art center equipped with the high-end power of industry titans Corsair and Origin PC. They got play-all-day passes for just 25 bucks and even cheaper rates uh, for less time. So come check it out. Professional-level gaming at the most affordable price in town. Use the code. This is our product code 5RSN for five bucks off your first purchase over 20 bucks. So again, it's Rock Esports Center in Palmetto Bay. Come check them out and mention five reasons, but with the code 5RSN for five bucks off your first purchase over $20. Also want to mention Better Edge. Use the code 5RSN there as well. You get $20 to play there. So hey, get your $20 to play on Better Edge. And then it's only $20 to play all day at Rock Esports Center. See, we combine our stuff here. Go to betteredge.com. This is legal sports betting and play against others who use it, not against the app or a bookie. That's why it's legal. And now our interview. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. I'm Ethan Skolnick. We're here at Miami Heat Media Day, and I guess you are the newest addition to the Miami Heat, and we have R.J. Hampton. I just want to start here, like, the process. How long did you know that the Heat were interested in you, and how did that come together? Uh, I've been down here probably since, like, the beginning of August, back and forth from, like, Dallas where, I'm, where I live and here. So, like, pretty much since, like, the beginning of August, just working out down here and being down here and being with you guys. 
did they give you an indication that this was obviously there have been some other things going on you're probably aware of stuff that was out there that may or may not happen with this team this offseason but did they give you an indication that okay you're a guy we like and depending on how things play out here we're going to bring you in or or was it sort of no matter what you were going to be coming in here I think it was I mean me personally I felt like I was going to come in here and be a part of the Miami Heat uh, I never really had any major talks as far as like what other changes that was going on. I I, I stay out of that. That's not that's not me. Um, but my agent called me one day and he said it's a go, and I I came back down here and then it's just been a go ever since. There was a message that was shared uh, on social media where you said that you wanted a chance to prove that you were an elite guard defender and that's something that you thought you could do here. Right. Um, can you speak to that? Why do you think that this will be the right situation for you to be able to show that? Um, I just think it's the team and the, the coaching staff and the, the culture that they have here. Um, when I was in Denver, I didn't play like the first 15 games, and the only way I got on the floor was with my defense and started playing like 20 minutes a game for like the next 25 games until obviously they traded me for Aaron Gordon. It looked like that worked out. But... Um, you know, when I got to Orlando, I, I felt like I was still the same defensive player, even in Detroit. Um, it's just kind of hard when, you know, the the culture is just not there as far as winning. And, like, that's no shot at Orlando or Detroit. They're both great teams. It's just when you're, you know, you're going far in the playoff runs and you need defensive players on the floor, like little things that you look at on the floor are different than, you know, if you're not necessarily winning. So I feel like here – I can bring that and I can, you know, I use that to my advantage and help the team in that way. I'm always curious how guys kind of recalibrate their expectations in their game as they go up the ladder. So obviously you were highly, highly touted prospect and a primary scorer. And now you're talking about using your defense to kind of get onto the floor. Do you, do you think that if you can get on the floor that some of the other skills that you've shown over the course yeah. of sort of your development will start to come out? For sure, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that, you know, I'm not going to, sit here and be like, oh, my shooting is going to get me on the floor, my scoring is going to get me on the floor, like, they got people for that, you know, but something that, you know, everybody, every team needs, and when you lose guys that have done that in the past for you, you need to add guys who do that, so um, I definitely think once I prove myself and my defense shows and then I'm on the floor, that other things will obviously come out, that's just how basketball works. I'm going to go to these guys in a second, I just, you mentioned uh, guys who were here, one guy who was here last year was Gabe Vincent, who you know, had an unconventional path. I mean, he was here in their development program for basically two or three seasons, and he ends up starting in an NBA Finals and Eastern Conference Finals there before um, and was known, primarily got on the floor because of his defense to start with. Do you see that as kind of a model in terms of where you can grow to? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think Gabe's a, a fantastic player. I think he's a great defender as well. I feel like we have different styles of defense, but I feel like um, he, like his his mindset going into it, I'm going to use my defense to get me on the floor. And then obviously you've seen his scoring outbursts and his assists and different things, those showed. So definitely the same mindset. So, RJ, um, just you guys talk about Gabe right now. Now I want to talk about a different Heat player, Caleb Martin. So just kind of um, looking through some of your stuff. And, you know, as Ethan mentioned, you were a highly touted guy. Um, you know, fans are excited to have you in the system. When I was looking at some of your stuff, some of the things that stood out to me was the way that you're able to take advantage off the catch. You know, if somebody has already bent the defense and you're kind of attacking a closeout, you know, those types of scenarios, do you think that's where the offensive side of the game will really come in as, you know, because you talk about playing the role on the defensive end, on the offensive side, do you make that all work when it comes to just playing off the catch and basically, 
you know, playing off the advantage that others have already created, do you yeah. think that that'll help you out? And do you see a guy like Caleb who, who, who's, you know, kind of plays in that way as somebody that you can, you know, learn from in, in, in that way? Uh, I mean, I think for me, um, I feel like me and Caleb are two different players. Um, but as far as like me catching, catching the ball off the catch and off of guys penetration, um, you know, I think that's, you know, kind of what I am really good at, but I also think I can break down the defense as well and get, get guys open. So, um, for me, it's just kind of whatever they put in front of me, I'm going to try to execute it as a hundred percent, whether that's to be a point guard for five games in a row or to be off the ball for five games in a row, or if it's not touch the ball for five games in a row, in a row. So, I mean, whatever that is, I'm going to try to execute that. You mentioned uh, being traded for Aaron Gordon. What were your emotions watching them win a championship this year? Like what, when you've been, been part of an organization, right. what, what were you thinking? I was happy for them. Honestly, I felt like I should have got a ring because I, I was a sacrifice. You feel me? So I, I called I, I call Gary Harris and I was like, hey, hey, I think we should go. We should go to AG's house and see if we can get that ring. But but no, nah, I, I was happy for them. It was it was it was good to see them uh, to win this year. Uh, and then obviously had no idea it was coming to the heat. And now it's revenge time. I guess so. If they get to the finals again. Get back to the basketball. You talked a little about the off-ball aspect. You mentioned kind of the point guard duties, and this is a team obviously that kind of has a little bit of a depth issue at depth of point guard, just because it's kind of a bunch of guys, all hands on deck kind of thing. Is that where you kind of see an opening where maybe you can kind of take over those point guard duties? And then I guess what is your mindset when you are playing point guard? Is it more the setup man? Is it more trying to score? Or is it just kind of whatever role they kind of give you on any given night? I mean, I think for me, that just, like, when you're playing the point guard position, if you're only thinking about one thing, that's where you kind of get in trouble. You just kind of got to go out there and play. But you also have to know your teammates. So knowing, you know, a Tyler, knowing a Duncan, knowing a Bam, knowing a Jimmy, knowing whoever is on the court, you have to study your own teammates so you can, you know, excel at that level. So um, I feel like it's not just one thing, but, you know, trying to understand everybody on the floor is big for me. When you look at this situation too, obviously they're you know this is a team that they've been to finals with two finals in the last four years, three Eastern Conference finals in the last four years, but they have shown a willingness to integrate uh, players that they haven't drafted um, that maybe came in here from somewhere else where a situation didn't work out and it ends up uh, playing out the right way. Is that kind of become their reputation around the league in a sense? And is that when your agents talking to you saying, okay, look? if you go there and you'll get the minutes? Because I don't think that was always the case with this organization. Younger players had a tough time kind of breaking through. But did you guys discuss that at all? Uh, I think we did discuss it, just knowing that that's been the Heat's culture probably the last five years, that, you know, guys get opportunities um, in spurts, you know, for, for whatever reason. I think it's I think it's a credit to the coaching staff and front office eye for basketball and eye for the game. Not a lot of people have that. Uh, and, and, you know, sometimes, you know, guys are playing for this reason, guys are playing for that reason. Like, I feel like what I've seen here, guys play because they play hard and they play the right way. And I think that translates to winning. And I think that's why every year you see before, you know, the season, you have all these teams in front of the heat because on paper it looks better. But when you have an eye for talent and an eye for who's going to go out there and give it their all for 48 minutes, that changes over the course of the season. You know what I'm saying? That changes in, you know, first round second round third round you know in the in the finals that changes so um i think that's the reason why the heat's culture has been that way it's just because like the eye for you know something different than just a name on a paper 
To that point, Max and Gabe were not starters coming out of training camp, and then they were starting in the NBA Finals. So that's kind of the thing that happens here. By the way, you'll fit right in, because when you're talking about that, that reminds me that Spolster always says that the media have untrained eyes. Were you guys thinking that? That's right. So I guess... <laughs> you know, championships aren't won on a piece of paper, so you're right. You'll fit right in. No, that's the thing. You will pick You will pick up Spoisms as you go forward. That's every person who's come through here has done it, and they'll just become second nature for you. They're going all over the... Uh, before we close here, we appreciate RJ Hampton joining us here on Five on the Floor. Is there one thing that you would like Heat fans to know about you off the court? Uh, I don't know. That's that's tough. I don't know. My brother's actually really good at basketball. He'll be coming up soon. He's a he's a incoming freshman. He's got invited to USA Basketball. So shout out to my little brother. All right. So it's a talented RJ Hampton. We appreciate you joining us here on Five on the Floor. Thank you for listening to the Five on the Floor on the Fire Regional Sports Network.